In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, I had a really thought-provoking conversation with Catherine Willis about who the Smart City is for. Catherine is an architect and associate professor at Plymouth University and initially was reluctant to get involved in the Smart City space. She continues to challenge commercially driven driven initiatives and focus on what the people actually think about so-called smart cities. We discuss Plymouth's new masters, Smart Urban Futures, and also a number of projects that Catherine researched about who was included and actively excluded in smart city planning and implementation around the world. We also talked about how some of the smartest places in the world are in the regional and rural areas. This episode is a bit longer than normal, but I really hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's the Smart City Podcast, whoa, with smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars and more. The Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for. Hey, Catherine, how are you going? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm hoping the weather is good for you in um, yep. sunny London. No, it's not London, sunny England. Yeah, we're, we're two different time zones, so it's the morning here and the evening there. But, yeah, we've got sunshine. We're in the southwest of the UK, which is supposedly the warmest, sunniest part of the UK. But That's good. Good to hear. Well, let's just jump straight in and we'll start in the past. Can you tell us a bit about your background and what you're passionate about? Yeah, so um, I'm, I've been interested in like the role of technologies and cities and space for a, a number of years now. Um, I trained as an architect, so my background is, is to be an architect, but I've, I've always been involved in the sort of design and nature of architecture, not so much from the bricks and mortar side of things and more about how it creates um, experiences or spaces or changes the way we inhabit the world. So more linked to how we behave in the world. Um, so seeing the way we inhabit space as um, something that, that that we can design for. Um, so this is sort of the societal nature of it. Um, and yeah, f- really for, for, Quite a while now, so for a good 10, 15 years, I've been looking at city, um, cities and, and space as, as a way to think through how we use technology um, and, and sort of thinking about um, more interesting ways in which we can sort of link how we, it, how we design for spaces and how we use technologies. And so that comes out from bef- just really, bef- well, even before there was internet, um, you know, we, I mean, I'm sort of. I'm I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to to have not been around when there was <laughs> to have not have internet. So we've been thinking about you know from from I, I was interested initially in like how um, some sort of infrastructures affect the space, so how we move through the city, and then looking at mobile phones when they came into play and how that changed how we talk to each other and how, how that changed how we we met up and where we were in the city, and obviously now we've gone into um, sort of digital and increasingly smart cities, and that becomes a whole new sort of area to, to look at. So, so the, the architect is sort of for, for me, architecture um, is, is sort of an expanding field in this sense because um, it's been seen as what as the as the 
as the field that designs for stuff, you know, for buildings and, and cities. Um, to me, when we introduce technology, it becomes a field in which we look at how we um, design for spaces that are mixed, that, that use technology and some of the bricks and mortar, but um, but that, that's a that's a sort of mixed mixed uh, augmented uh, or, or, or digital space that that exists on multiple levels. So designing how we like how we're having this podcast <laughs> in a space might be a really interesting way to think about what space is that. It's I'm in a building and you're hopefully in a building. I don't know, but we're actually in another space as well. And how can we start to design for those sorts of interactions? Yeah, definitely. So what kind of sparked your interest in this smart city space? Well, to some extent, we've been, it, it, smart. I don't know. Smart cities is 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 a way of talking about um, some more recent developments with technologies and cities, and and it's a it's a it's a term that's been used. It's quite ambiguous because it doesn't actually mean one thing. It means lots of things to lots of people. So I think it's it's important to think about actually. It's just it's, and again with technology. There's lots of futures and lots of presents and <laughs> we see things change. So I've been involved with technology and cities for, again, quite a while. And we've been through lots of names of things. And I think smart is one of those. And it's really interesting. It's been effectively driven by technology companies. So smarter planets was, was a term that, um, IBM coined and really became one of the, the, the ways in which smart cities emerge. And. Having worked in the area of sort of looking at technologies and digitals, digital technologies and cities for, for a long time, really it was when we smart cities came along, I was initially quite reluctant to get engaged with having a discussion because it's quite technocentric and not really thinking about it. Although it argues it's thinking about how people inhabit cities. A lot of it is selling, selling tech to, to deliver solutions for cities, which, which I think is, is not the right approach. So my, my initial um, involvement was to, to sort of challenge it to some extent to say, well, is, 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 is the way that we're looking at smart cities right? And should should we be thinking about more nuanced ways and should we be thinking about what people actually think? I mean, um, smart cities has, has become a very um, citizen, citizen centric or bottom up. It's been discussed in that way, but a lot of the ways it's delivered is not that. So actually, my involvement in smart cities has been to look at what's smart that's not smart. <laughs> Why are people, how are people being smart where they not, might not be, someone's not labeled them smart, but also partly challenging some of the the um the the smart city initiatives that are very commercially driven and um but, you know and how how that what that means for for people in cities and the way we way we inhabit them and design them yeah definitely cool so um i know you're working on a master's program at the moment well i think i do and can you tell us a bit about that i think it's going to be on offer at the end of this year or mid mid this year is that right yeah, so we've got a new master's in what we've called Smart Urban Futures at Plymouth University, which is the, the university. So that's in the School of Art, Design and Architecture at Plymouth University. Um, and the, 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 the point behind the master's is we felt that there isn't any real capacity for people to learn how to design for smart cities. <laughs> um, so one of the, what we've, Part of the, so this is this is a program to enable people to creatively address smart city challenges and work in a sort of multidisciplinary team approach in sort of what we've called design lab to 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 come up with um, 
ways to innovate in that area. Um, and that's sort of aimed at architects, urban designers, urban planners, but also people from a digital field, so maybe web designers or people who've been doing interaction design, or also geographers, sociologists, people probably even from law. Um, really, the, 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 the motivation and the, the reason why we decided that, we, that the master's was needed was um, so in the field of architecture, we do a lot of design, but it's often very related to sort of using technology as a tool. So CAD or BIM and doing clever visualizations of space. You know, that's traditionally been the way that we use technologies. Um, and in the, the media fields, there's been people doing lots of exciting sort of interactions and sort of quite object based, you know, so you have an interaction with the screen or maybe with some object like a chair might light up if you sit on it. But we haven't really trained or given people a space to learn about how to design for 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 cities that have technology embedded with them and how we can um, also you know work on real real world challenges around that so we've looked we've looked and, and really this is the challenge for delivering smart cities and I think it's one of the you know generally if we look at smart cities internationally there's a lot of, of failed projects or projects that have not delivered what they offered in terms of the, the promise of smart cities. And, and I, the rationale, what we think behind that is that, um, that there aren't actually people who know how to deliver them. So there are people who do data analytics in cities and there's a lot of people who understand about how GIS and mapping have worked and how we use that to understand about census data. And then there's urban planners and urban designers but they don't necessarily know how to treat that as a design problem and how to understand if you have. Um, and, in, and as we move into smart cities, which, you know, the key features are the sort of the, the, the amount and quantity and depth of data we have about a city that we can use to make decisions or to design spaces better or to allow people to participate more actively. Treating that as a design challenge rather than a sort of technical challenge is, is really um, an exciting opportunity. And I think one that's been a little bit um, lost in the sort of gap in the field. So the Masters is is aimed at um, letting us treat smart cities as a design challenge that really where I think architects, urban planners and urban designers need to move much more into that space and giving them the us opportunity and giving them the, the technical skill set. So People will be um, students will learn about how to do um, analytics with big data to use programs like Unity to, to, to sort of do some program around Internet of Things to um, do some create interfaces around augmented and virtual reality. Those those sort of te technical skill sets will then mean that, that the opportunities are much more um, available to, to design more holistically around cities and, and looking at sort of citywide challenges with with the ability yeah. to actually respond to them. Yeah, cool. Will you offer it by distance by any chance? Well, we haven't put that as an option and actually the the irony is that maybe we should. <laughs> but um what we're going to do is offer some online online sort of aspects of the teaching. So I don't I, there's an issue about how we practically accredit an online course because that's not um something that our university does specifically sort of online but what we're going to create is um as part of the the, the delivery of the course a set of the um the sort of the, some of the materials that we we produce so creating a sort of a, a layer which you can participate in um but yeah maybe it's something we should look at that we need a an, a, an online version it, it's definitely um possible because what the, the design lab approach we have 
will mean working with cities in a sort of partnership approach so that we've got partnerships with the city in Plymouth, their, their challenges, the things they're working on as, as it, within the city around housing, around environment, around mobility. Um, those are going to be um, projects that the students will work together with on and then identify ex- other external partners. So maybe someone from a housing corporation or someone who's developing some new technology around transport, for example. Um, so to some extent, it, we could we could uh, enable people to do that within their own city um, and and then report back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a model we have to. I think it's we might we might start with a located approach and then. Um, when when we see how 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 we could deliver that as an online approach, I think there's definitely a, a route route for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely cool. I'm really interested to hear about um, the research you've been doing into or that you've done into marginalised communities and how the smart city kind of provides benefit for those communities. Well, that that's part. So. Um, part, part of the the aspect of smart cities in terms of sort of challenging it or asking it to to be uh, ask, sort of opening up what a smart city is from a sort of slightly closed box, which you know. So one of the um, that the rationale are often if you look at almost any sort of large scale smart city project, what you'll see is a rationale which says cities are failing and are a problem, and there's too many people. There's a lot of facts and figures you'll see about smart cities which generally say that cities are a new problem space and we need to move into them. But we actually think cities are not a problem. They are a solution and there's lots of people. They are messy and they are complicated and technology is not going to solve. We don't need technology to solve those solutions. We need technology to sort of work and to help people to do things they're already doing maybe better or in different ways. Um, And then, as part of that, the key area we, we sort of looked at in terms of the research, because we basically did, um, I was part of a, of a Newton fellowship where we um, did some visits to city, smart cities around the world, so particularly in Brazil and the UK, and looked at uh, how, how they were sort of delivering their smart city projects. And what we found was that people weren't really involved or, or they were in a sort of quite marginal sense. And there was also not just being not involved, but there were certain people who were being actively excluded. So as a smart city develops, um, it sort of becomes a sort of middle class people who have the, the, the you know, pe- people who are sort of already enabled become, you know, the wealthy mobile, mobile elite are, are the smart city. And the people who should actually benefit, you know, where the, re- where the real potential lies are not really that don't really have the capacity to do that, you know. So smart enables you to connect better, to to move, to to not necessarily be um, to to work outside, exist to sort of work with city governance to participate in the city better. So there's a new model of governance. There's a new model of connectivity and sort of actually, you know, smart is can be very low cost and local, you know, to make technology in, in the city in your space. So Internet of Things brings sensors and information about your city to your city. And that's really a lot, there's a lot of potential then, for example, around air pollution or, or um, transport to make it work for you, to make a sort of shareable space, to look at shared resources. Um, so what we wanted to do with this is look at who was excluded from smart cities and how could we enable them to be included. And that was a project with India, Brazil and the UK. Um, and India has a, um, a massive, uh, so India has a sort of a massive smart cities mission, it's called, um, led by Prime Minister Modi. Um, 
huge investment, uh, very sort of Western model of have a competition where cities compete and then deliver a smart city project. Um, quite a, quite a lot of publicity. And what we found when we went to India was that um, it was excluding people. Um, so in in India, um, smart cities is primarily a regeneration strategy for for the urban space. Um, and in Chennai, the city we were working with. We were working with a, an activist organization called the um, Civic um, Consumer Action Group. Um, and we found that they were basically sanitizing the urban space, moving uh, street traders and uh, people with, with informal transport, like the tuk-tuk drivers, moving them out of the space and creating what looked like a westernized model of the urban space which might be good but actually a lot of people were going to lose their livelihood <laughs> and we were quite yeah. surprised to find that because it didn't seem like that's not the promise of the smart city but the, the knock-on effects are that it creates a sort of um sanitized empty uh you know highly functionalizing and that that doesn't work for a lot of cities that's not how they move you know rubbish um like rubbish, waste management is one of the other smart city projects. And when you manage waste in an automated way, some of the way that people inhabit that space changes. So what we looked, so we had a long, we had an interesting conversation. So with the Street Traders Association, so, and I had a conversation with the guy um, who was chair of the Street Traders Association for India, who really wanted to think of another way of, of delivering smart cities. And I sort of said, how many members have you got? And he was like, well, 40 million. So like this wasn't like, a, and it, it was, it was a bit of a wake up call to the fact that, that, you know, we're, we're sort of those, those people would be how, and, and they're very teched up, you know, they know how to, they, they're very clever and they network really well. So our view was that they, they, they were much more smart in the way they use things, but they were being excluded from this process. And we found a similar thing in Brazil. So we worked with, um, we, we sort of visited an informal settlement, so what we be, might call a favela. Um, and they, you know, they are not part of the um, city infrastructure. So they don't have um, officially have tele t t um, telephone cables or water pipes, but they, but they um, create those for themselves. So they build it themselves. And it works quite well, but in a smart city, they don't exist. Like they literally, they're not on the map because they're, they don't, um, as a city, the city doesn't recognize them as a, as a, as a formal space. So like we felt that they, they were smart in the way that they did things and the way they created this, um, what they got, they have a gambiage that they call it, which is this informal infrastructures. They make things for themselves and then they connect to the city somehow. So some of them were, connecting in different ways some of it was totally informal some of it was partly linked to a linked to the state infrastructure but partly not um and that's that's really um that's a smart way to use technology to sort of do it in a way that's low cost and networked and uh, relevant to what you need to do um, um so yeah, quite innovative yeah and then in london we looked again at, um we looked again a more a, a sort of more um Government again, government-driven smart project, smart city project, um, and some of the way, particularly where Internet of Things is being delivered and how that works. So, um, out of that, we came with the view that we need to empower people to find out how to use smart city technology for themselves locally in their neighbourhoods, um, and to do that, they needed to, to some extent, 
be involved in um, understanding what a smart city is. <laughs> so we've got a first step of like, it, I mean, there's, a, there's an argument um, made in academia is um, if you're going to be part of a smart city, we're making smart citizens. And do people, I don't think a lot of people are aware that they're being made smart <laughs> and do they want to? <laughs> so, you know, I did a talk at a, at a school, a secondary school in London, and I talked about smart cities. And you no know, one, these are kids who really, really good with a lot of tech, you know, probably do a lot of gaming, have a phone, very, a fairly high, high spec smartphone, but no one's, no one, no one's told them what smart cities are. So if we're going to have a smart city, we need to have people who, understand for them how they can be and, ha and have the ability to to use the technology in a way that um that they can do themselves you know so how can you you know i you know can we can we uh, use an air quality sensor or um you know how do we interact with that data mm, definitely so what are some of the examples of the best and the worst approaches to smart cities in the uk ah, in the uk <laughs> um I mean, there's, I think the, the, the best are the ones. So there's some, some interesting examples about where people, so one of the most, the, the projects that I found really interesting was, um, so we had a conference as part of our Who's Smart City, Who's Right to the Smart City Network. And we had a presentation by, um, a farm in the, um, east of, east of London called Spitalfield City Farm. Um, and there was a project led by an academic called Sarah Heitlinger, um, who worked with the city farm on a project called Connected Seeds. Um, and that was Internet of Things, but for local food production. And it was about how people could, um, look at the seed production and the, and the information about the farm in a way that, um, they could sort of get data about what the soil temperature was, how the seeds were going. And to me, those are really interesting ways about it, where the technology isn't driving things. It just creates another level to what people are doing in terms of creating shared resources and um, providing for themselves. Um, the Spitalfields is, a, is in um, Whitechapel area of London, and it's one of the – it's a fairly, you know, poor, poor area, very mixed um, – nationalities are very multicultural so a lot of people with english as a second language so but where food you know your food is one of the ways in which they um they come together and, and produce something for themselves you know to, to create their own space so i think that's a really interesting project um there's um in terms of there's a, some interesting work coming out of oxford where they're doing um they have a a, a flood network using internet of things again low-cost sensors where People um, can sort of manage the the, the the water levels and see how they're going for themselves in real time. In Plymouth, we've had some really interesting projects, and this has been one of the motivations around starting the new masters because there's a lot of um, bottom-up driven smart city projects being being developed in Plymouth. Um, there's a lot of potential within the city and, and a lot of um, room to, to 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 take that approach. So. I've worked together with a, um, a project led by a, um, an, on social entrepreneur, entrepreneur called Priya Prakash uh, with design for social change. And that project called Changeify, um, smarter streets was to look at ways in which people could change the street space, um, and act upon it, um, in a much more participatory way and a much more, um, joined up way with the city. So if you think about, uh, projects, 
like Fix My Street or um, th those sorts of um, neighbourhood uh, projects which allow people to report problems in the city and, and link them directly to the city rather than a sort of more formal process. This was sort of extending that but making it into a sort of um, closed feedback loop with the city so that you could cr create. And so basically you could move around the city with, with an app and report issues you could see. Um, the city would then respond to those directly and then you'd get a you, you could sort of um create this sort of space of deciding how to change things so that could move from literally reporting a street lamp that's broken to going well actually we need to design this space differently and how could we do that and opening up a conversation in that space there and then looking how to resource it um so another another really interesting project that's been happening in plymouth and i think crowdfunding as a way to deliver smart city projects is really exciting is as a crowdfund plymouth where people from across the city can propose projects for their for their for their local communities that have benefit and when they pitch them on the crowdfunding platform and if they fit um, a sort of core set of criteria around what the city is trying to achieve with its own local plan, um, they can get match funding. So uh, there's pr projects for sort of developing community spaces and local parks and children's playgrounds that they use the crowdfunding approach. Um, and they've then got buy-in from citizens and then um, the, the, the city matches. And then they've funded over a million pounds worth of projects in the city through through that approach. Oh, Wow. And then the final one, which we've also been led in Plymouth and I think has a lot of potential is um, an initiative called Data Play, which is um, rather than, um, so there's a lot of approach around uh, open data and the role of data in the city um, that have sort of cr created platforms which people can access. Uh, and I think there's a challenge about people being empowered, empowered to um, use create data and use data for themselves it, that's in a way that's relevant to them um so data play takes city challenges such as housing environment um transport and opens up a sort of uh, a weekend of um play discussion um and prototyping around open data um and seeing what we could do with it um and that that's been um that's been quite successful and is now leading to to sort of a next set of projects which is um, creating specific um, uh, ways about using open data within the city. So, for example, we have a conversation with the parks department about how they could create sort of networks of sensors within their parks that shows how the parks are used so that people can more can participate in them better. Um, they can see maybe how many where the trees are and, um, you know, how they're getting maintained. So linking up with how the city's um maintaining but also how people are using the space in a way that makes it um uh uses data in a sort of joined up way also looking at sort of health and well-being outcomes yeah cool and I've, i was going to pick up on a, on a poor example the main one i didn't is, is that they're generally the ones that um that have failed because they've promised things that they that they don't they, they can't deliver um so there's a lot of smart cities projects that that um that you know promise promise a lot of of large scale um sort of fairly fairly quick change in the city and that's just not realistic in in any and that's not that's not the smart city but that's not realistic so technology as a as a as a fix for for a problem that we have it, it is 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 a is a poor way to think about it and i think that's generally where we've seen how where things have failed yeah definitely 
So how do you think that pilots of smart technology should work with, um, you know, the community and the citizens to implement their projects? Well, the key thing is, is, is uh, what, what, um, and uh, there's, there's quite a few examples of this where, um, uh, we, we get a sort of, again, this solution based approach to technology where, um, we'll come with a, a, a solution and try and find a problem within the city to fix. <laughs> um, so, you know, transport might be a problem and we'll try and fix it with technology. And to some extent, transport has been one of the most successful ways, you know, like using joined up transport data to sort of, um, understand people's journey times has been really, really works. But when working with the city, we should start with what the city wants to do. A lot of smart cities lack the historical context, the understanding of what's gone before. They're like, they introduce this, you know, magic wand that's going to somehow solve long-term complex problems. Um, so let's start with what the city wants to do in a positive way. What what it needs to, what it, what not the not the problems, but the things that it also that also work and build on those and work with. Instead of looking at the technology and where um, it can have a quick win, look at the most challenging areas. So where are the communities that would benefit most from this and work with them? And to some extent, that starts with empowerment. So it starts with letting people understand how to use um, smart. So can we, there's a been interesting initiative we've been working in called Things Camp with ODI Devon, so Open Data Institute Devon. That's part of the larger Open Data Institute. Can we look at how Internet things, you know, get kids to program Arduino, use Raspberry Pis? You know, how could we start to use those in communities um, to do much more sort of local hackable type things where they can fix it for themselves and not need someone who's um, technical capacity? Because smart cities need maintenance. Um, you know, in two years' time, they'll 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 be. The cost, you know, a lot of the problem we have is that, that the, you introduce this technology and in two years you've got to pay to maintain it and the money's not there anymore. So that's not very sustainable. So, um, working with cities, I think, um, looking at low cost, um, citizen driven challenges, um, enabled through the, the city governance system, but working with existing structures. So with communities or groups who are already sort of working in the space of delivering change. Um, and th you know that that's part of a sort of more sustainable, I think, approach to, to smart cities. So you know, what do people want to do, and then looking at what the potential is to use those smart technologies to enable that. Yeah, cool. So how do you think we can better integrate across the disciplines? So government, um, academia, industries, community groups, like the all those different um, areas. Uh, you know, we're all involved in the smart city. So how can we better integrate? Yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the interesting that's one of the most interesting potentials and also challenges within smart city is it is it really does involve people from a whole range of areas and so it seems to me one of the key um, outcomes of smart cities is getting different parts of different people who participate in cities to see it as a joined up thing and to recognise that uh, one one area impacts on the other so that learning process is 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 interesting that the, the smart city is a sort of connected approach it sees it, it, it you know you look at one area and it connects to another and you sort of reveal things so um so that that's a challenge that smart cities doesn't have in itself it's a challenge anywhere people working together um and i think the the one of the key ways it's being done through smart cities is a sort of living lab approach so taking pilot neighborhoods um and I'm just trying to work on a scale that's that's manageable because you know citywide it's quite hard. 
Um, but also, um, the key thing is, you know, if you've got um, if you've got people in who are who don't have capacity to understand what how technology what what the potentials are, then I think that's that's again that's the rationale for for creating the the new masters and smart urban futures is to enable people to have the the the, the, the both the capacity around what um, smart cities in terms of technology means, but also in terms of the urban space and the placemaking. So. The joined up approach, I think living labs working with communities at a sort of uh, manageable scale to, to, to test this, you know, what the, what a lot of the way this is, is is making change and it's, it's, it's quite, um, so, and taking time to do that, um, you know, not rushing things. A sort of slow smart city is is probably going to be more realistic. <laughs> everything everything seems to move quite fast, <laughs> um, and I think that, that that I mean ideally um, there's a need to recognise this through some sort of funding mechanism that's not short term. Um, so you know to, there is some there is some cost there are costs involved with this. It isn't it isn't you know you can't deliver it, and a lot of it's actually being delivered through. Um, research type funding which is sort of great but um it runs out and you know how do we make sustainable um change so how do we fund um how do we fund this these sort of technologies within technological change we're getting people to work together i think when you're interdisciplinary it's like getting a common language and understanding what it means one of the challenges with smart city is like when you ask anybody about it there's a different answer depending on who you speak to so (laughs) just establishing a common ground initially about what um what you all agree a smart smart is and what you want to achieve with it is is a really good approach so setting a common language yeah, definitely. So do you think the UK already are or can become leaders in the smart city space? Well, my view is, is that what we, what we want? Um, so uh, the way that smart cities has been sort of pitched is this sort of business competitive, you know, this marketing of cities internationally. And that seems to me to be fundamentally flawed. So why would that, I mean, I can see that, you know, and that's a way of attracting investment. So if it's a, if smart cities is an investment strategy, then Yes, you know, UK is innovating, um, but t- to me personally, and, and in terms of the area we work in, um, when we work with communities, we see that in a sort of longer term sense and what they, and, and a more local sense. And that, that, um, particularly if you move, so one of the key challenges with smart cities is it's been, um, sort of leading large scale, sort of highly networked cities, so London, New York, um, Amsterdam, Barcelona, you know, those cities um, work at a, an inter- a global scale. And really, um, the, the benefit with smart cities should be at a lo- local or regional scale and also beyond the city. You know, what about the rural? Um, interestingly, um, you know, one of the the most technologically developed <laughs> um, environments that we see is farms. So farms are like the most, actually the one of the most smart spaces um, that we have at the moment. Um, they're, they're incredibly technologically driven. So we haven't really understood that. So I think that's a little bit, I'm, I'm sort of deliberately avoiding your question because it does it matter. Um, it matters to, to cities in terms of getting money in. But I think um, it does it matter if it matters to, to, to thinking about a longer term strategy about how um Technology and data and Internet of Things are are affecting how we um, govern, inhabit, and sort of design cities and the spaces we live in. 
um, actually we need to think about what what challenges you know what um, what are the the challenges that the challenges we have to deal with you know particularly around climate change and around um, integration and those are, are the areas that, that that are our competition <laughs> they're the, yeah. they're the you know that's that's when the end where where benefit will come to, to communities so really i think that and you know so moving from this sort of smart city as a a competition that we're going to win because we're the best seems to me to be like not particularly useful and it you know it helps to it helps it helps to um to hear stories and to learn about what best practice is that's that's obviously great but um this competitiveness is is i think not really sustainable and um maybe not really whether so again when we've worked with local communities that's not that's not they don't benefit from 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 city competitiveness and particularly you know it, it doesn't doesn't work at a local scale yeah no it's a really interesting kind of view to bring to it i really like it because um particularly the regional areas is one of the areas that I'm really passionate about. So yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that viewpoint. And the regional, you know, we like there are there are like I don't know how many large scale global cities there are in the world, but they're limited and they're doing quite well actually. You know, they're really not. They have a lot of um, and actually the regional cities. There's a lot of them. They're struggling with resources. You know, globally, those are the cities that are probably, you know, the, the poorer neighbours. And actually, if we think about how if technology is you know, is going to be a benefit to society. That's where the benefit should be. <laughs> you know? So we should really be concentrating. Again, I think this is because the smart city agenda has generally been led by a group of actors who have interests that are not necessarily societal interests. They may argue that. And there's a need to reclaim. Um, so the, one of the reasons we called uh, our, our, our network was who's right to the city, who's right to the smart city. So who's smart? who's the smart city for? Um, and we get told who it's for, but I think there's a need to reclaim it for ourselves uh, and at a regional a level and a local level. Um, doing that involves um, getting beyond this sort of narrative of the sort of market driven smart city and looking at it in a much more sort of holistic and sort of um, sort of citizen driven level. Yeah, cool. So what are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about at the moment? Well, I think that people are talking about a lot of things. So, so the trends, it's more a case of like, how do we do it? Because it's all very well to talk about Internet of Things and sensors and networks. And uh, but the so the things we're not talking about is um, what we do when it breaks down. How do we pay for it after the first few years? Uh, who maintains it? What happens when it gets dirty <laughs> and breaks? <laughs> um, and um, you know how how can I use it in my space? Um, so it's I think there's there's a sort of um, there's a glossiness that we've that we've sort of need to get beyond and to be a more um, to be a more sort of um, sensible um, smart city. But in terms of technology, there's some really interesting. Um, I mean, the uh, the spaces I'm thinking about are the ones where um, like around um, the use like how what what's interesting for example around internet of things is that we can involve lots of different things in our world <laughs> um, and people you know we use technology as people but um there's projects that look at the role of nature or food or um objects within our environment so what happens when trees 
we can speak to trees. Um, I think those sorts of non the AI, the sort of the role of, of AI um, in how we see the sort of physical and the material world around us is really interesting. You know, that um, that there's um, the role of um, emotional. And so what we can do now is we can run sentiment analysis on data sets so we can understand how people feel about things. And that means how they feel about cities. Um, and so the, the sort of emotional, the effective use of computing to, you know, cities are places that people have feelings about. And if you're as an architect, you know, places are experiential, how we, we, make, we make sense of the world around us by the, the, the relationships we create with it. And technology can start to be a little bit more nuanced in, in understanding that and sort of making that, that, that visible to us specifically around other people. So how do other people feel and how does that affect us? Um, so that's being, that is being used for advertising, for example. So advertisers know whether you're in a good mood and they might want to sell you, they'll promote a shop to you nearby if you're, if you are, they can sell no from your Facebook feed. But how do we, uh, move away from that and to letting people manage that for themselves and do that in a more um, participatory way? Um, so new, and then obviously the thing people are talking about is, different ways of governing cities through smart technologies. So the crowdfunding, the um, the ways in which people can sort of create their own publics within the city, new commons. I think we haven't, we've sort of started on that route, but there's, there's a lot of room to go in terms of um, sort of people reporting in real time. So predicting predictive governance, it sort of changes the nature of the planning of cities from cities where we planned them and we consulted and then we told people what we're going to do to people planning cities and then asking the city how they're going to deliver it or how they can help deliver it with them. That's, um, that's really interesting. And that's a space that is, there's quite a lot of, um, you know, it's particularly, I don't know, in, in, in terms of resources where regional cities don't have massive resources, but uh, people want to do stuff, then there's room for that. So, um, and then obviously the around um, energy use, looking at how we can do behavior change around energy use and climate change and make it that's a sort of area. There's lots of potential to, um, to sort of get people away from, you know, driving a lot and using a lot of energy in their home potentially to being um, more joined up in understanding how they can make change, behaviour change for themselves uh, that's relevant to them. Yeah, definitely. Wow, this has been such a great conversation. I've learned so much and, well, yeah, I've learned so much but also, yeah, th very thought-provoking thinking about, um, yeah, the, the regional areas and, like, the benefits and, yeah, who – who is the smart city going to benefit and it should benefit everybody. But, um, yeah, what that focus is. Um, yeah, no, it's been really interesting. I, I just have one last question, which is, um, how can people connect with you? Um, so, um, I'm on Twitter. So my Twitter is trolley tweet, T R O L L E Y T W E E T. Um, you can um, look at the Smart Urban Futures if you go to the University of Plymouth, so plymouth.ac.uk, and look for Smart Urban Futures. Um, they can connect to that master's program. Um, and um, so there's email as well. Um, we have Facebook pages for some of those things if people want to search that, search through that. Yeah, cool. I can put it all in the show notes. Um, yeah, you can give me the links and I'll put it all there. So, yeah. Very good. Well, yeah, thanks so much for talking with me, Catherine. It's been really great. And, um, yeah, I really hope we can talk again soon.
I would be interested to know what um, what you're doing in 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 Australia and like the, whether this resonates with projects that you're involved in because I know this is something you're, you're doing the podcast, but obviously you're involved in this space as a, a it, as a you know in terms of the work you do as well. So yeah, definitely. No, let's um let's have a chat about that. It'd be really cool. Um, yeah, and hopefully we can uh, get a master's program online so I can sit at home and, <laughs> and, and learn how to code and that kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks very much. And I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you, Zoe. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email, zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at smartcitypod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for.